Hello and welcome to Danish and Confused. Today I am joined by my two guests who are also students at the RMC where I'm studying music. And on my left is from Iceland, Matthias Sigurdsson. <laughs> did I did I pronounce it right? Pretty good. Can you say it? Matthias Sigurdsson. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and on my right, Flavia Horashi Horashi Horachi. Janssen? Janssen. Janssen. Danish and confused. Come on, Flavia, sit down. And have a little chat with us. So sorry about all that. All right, I'm back. I'm so sorry about all that. I wanted to know more about you guys in this episode of Danish and Confused because you have very interesting backgrounds and you come from countries that I don't know that much about. Um, Flavia, you are originally from Bolivia. How did you end up in Denmark? What's your story? Oh my god, it's a very long story. You want the short version of it? Because it's quite long. Let's do a medium version. Yeah, a medium <laughs> version. Um, yeah, well, so my dad, he was actually Danish. Um, <laughs> ta-da! Uh, and he uh, left Denmark, I think maybe he was around 25 or like somewhere in his 20s. We don't know actually that much about him. Mm-hmm. But he, yeah, he left to travel around the world, uh, ran out of money when he was in Brazil, stayed in Brazil for a while. And then he at some point moved to Bolivia and met my mom there uh-huh. and decided, okay, I'm gonna stay here and have a life with the family. Mm-hmm. But then he died uh, from cancer when I was two years old, very suddenly. That's basically my first connection, I guess, with Denmark. Like, uh, I mean, through him and yeah. uh, we got like the... Danish passport, like the nationality automatically. Yeah, and so we were just kind of living our lives in Bolivia. Uh, the plan was to come to Denmark when I will be around 18 years old to maybe study something, to get mm-hmm. to know the country. Um, but we actually moved before because there were a lot of, what do you call like conflicts in Bolivia. Mm-hmm. Uh, the government was really corrupt and stole basically all the money from the country. That's not nice. Uh, yeah, uh, flew away in a helicopter. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he escaped uh, like from because people wanted to kill him in oh. the end. It, it, it turned very violent. So the political situation was very unstable. Yeah. And uh, because of the things he did, my mom lost also like you know, the economical stability. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of, she was like, okay, it's just very difficult right now to, when I have two girls. So she decided to move to Denmark, but that was quite a process because it's not easy to move to Denmark if you're not an mm-hmm. EU citizen. So she had to like fight for at least two years before she got some kind of uh, temporal, like a residence wow. permit that oh. she had to renew every two years. And with the condition that uh, when my sister turns 18, she has to get out of the country. So that was the deal she kind of accepted at the time. So we moved. I was around 12. Yeah, oh, that's 12. a lot earlier than uh, 18. Yes. You, were <laughs> did you, you, also, you always knew in advance that you were going to go to Denmark eventually. Yeah, um, but it was more like a little girl's kind of fantasy dream, um, you know, like uh, I wasn't yeah. thinking too much about the future. Actually, we didn't, my sister and I, we didn't really... Uh, we didn't realize that that was going to happen, that our lives were going to be completely turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And we had to start from zero, like until maybe the, the day we had to get on the plane. That's yeah. when we, the, actually the realization that 
now we're leaving our family, we're leaving everything behind. We don't know if we're going to come back. And mm. it was quite hard to go through that uh, process. So we left 2004, uh -huh. November 2004. We came back in 2015. So that's like around 10 years later. <laughs> and uh, what changed in the country um, for you or in oh general? I mean, the physical aspect of it was amazing because mm -hmm. we left as 12 year olds and my sister was 10, 11 years old. Mm -hmm. So everything was big. Our aunts were big and, you know, the, the streets were big. Everything was, you know, yeah. big. And so when we came back, suddenly everything was so small. <laughs> like my aunts were like half the size of, you know, of us. <laughs> like we were taller than them. We were like, uh -huh. what is this? <laughs> yeah. But the city changed a lot also. Uh, a lot of things changed in 10 years, actually, What for city? the best. What city is that? La Paz, the capital. You really grew up there? Yes. You didn't grow up on the countryside? Or? No, no. Uh, I mean, we were born in Santa Cruz, but that's like it mm -hmm. was still kind of uh, jungle-ish, I guess you could yeah. say. There were sloths in the parks and everything, you know. But wow. uh, when wow. we came back, it was horribly urbanized and the animals were gone and, mm. so and maybe uh, today that's even worse than yeah like I mean six years for ago. sure I, I mean I wouldn't live there <laughs> <laughs> but I mean I could live in La Paz because close mm. to La Paz there's like uh, if you go two hours by bus then you're already in like uh, Altiplano I don't know how you say that like the high plains you oh. know and you can see mm. all the mountains from there it's extremely beautiful and five hours in bike ride down then you yeah. reach the jungle Whoa. So we have access to all nature right beside the city. So mm -hmm. it was always present. Yeah. It sounds like that's completely the opposite of what it's like to live here in Copenhagen, where it's cold and flat and very urbanized, I have to say. <laughs> yes. What was that like for you as a 12-year-old to come here and just arrive in not only a different country, but a different continent? It was quite a shock because I think my sister and I fantasized about more... Um, Like uh, the postcards, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, like we will have a big house and it will be sunny all the time and we will have a dog. Like we had all this, like <laughs> we were trying to get ourselves excited about it. So we were like, mm -hmm. yeah, it's going to be, it's, life is going to be better, you know, like and there's going to be a lot of snow and, you know, all these things. And then we came and November is the hardest month, I would say, in this country. Like mm -hmm. it's getting darker. It's still not quite cold, but it's really cold anyway. Mm -hmm. And there is no snow. I mean, the snow at that time came later, like around maybe January, February. But before yeah. that, it was just just coldness, cold and, and gray, ice. and mm -hmm. it was so hard. Yeah, we I don't think any of us. It was complete shock. Were you all already into music at that age? Yeah, I mean, I started playing from very little actually. Uh -huh. um, I always wanted to play something. I don't know if I was like, oh, I'm going to be a musician, but mm -hmm. it was more like I'm going to be an archaeologist. Or I, I started playing the flute at around uh, when I was close to 11 years. So it was already a thing, and that was where my community was. But then when we came to Denmark, all of that shattered. And I actually didn't play the first months, the first year. I didn't really play uh, any music. Because um, you were trying to adjust here, maybe. Mm. Yeah, that and also the music system here... Uh, it was very uh, lacking in comparison with what I had in Bolivia. Because in Bolivia, it was like I had to be in the conservatory like three to four times a week, having lessons. Like I had uh, two hours of flute playing, actually, because I got extra hours because I was so excited about it. And then I had theory and I had like orchestra classes and everything. Mm -hmm. But when we came here, it was just like, okay, half an hour flute playing and that's it. 
like no socializing, no orchestra, no nothing. Mm -hmm. But then later, like uh, I got the, the teacher who said like, okay, she seems like she could mm -hmm. have some potential here. <laughs> so so they, they put me into some talent group where then suddenly there were a little bit more things happening, but never in the way it happened before. So I actually was not that excited about music until maybe I was 15. And then I came into this Efterskole. Mm -hmm. It's like a place where you live there for a year mm. with a bunch of people. And it was about orchestra. I just kind of went there because yeah. I guess I was looking for some kind of community. Do you find the people here in Denmark cold as opposed to the people in South America? I would say yes. But it's funny because the more I think about it, I come from La Paz. In the mm -hmm. mountains, people are also more reserved, actually. You know, they're not all Cubans. <laughs> you know, all the open eye, you know, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, I would say in, like in the Andes, it's a lot more quiet and more yeah. people are more reserved. I guess not as much as here. Here, they it takes time. You have to give time to the ice to melt, you know, and then <laughs> and then people actually are very warm. Well, maybe there's with the global warming, there's hope for yeah, that. <laughs> Speaking of cold. Hey, you, on the other side of the table, the Matthias. Yeah, you come from the north, even more north than uh, Denmark, where we are now. I don't True. think uh, a lot of people actually know much about Iceland. Like, we get um, we get like images and, and stories that there are trolls and elves over there. and uh, There are. There are. Mm -hmm. Tell me. <laughs> What's it like in Iceland? Well, you say most people don't know much about Iceland, but I think these days a lot of people know. Mm. A lot because of tourism becoming big. But I remember being a kid in England because I'm actually half English. So I would go to England yeah. always in the summer holidays to uh, to visit my grandparents and the kids in the neighborhood. And would be, you know, I would be playing with them and they would be like, from Iceland? Either they had never heard of it or thought that they heard the name wrong. And they thought I was talking about some island or an, or, or Ireland or whatever. <laughs> Did you mean Ireland? Yeah, maybe. Are you sure? But they, then they would be like, do you have television there? Do you have igloos? Do you live in igloos? Do you have ice bears? <laughs> uh, ice, uh, polar bears. And we, we were like, uh, no. It's kind of just like here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On the other hand, Iceland is totally worth romanticizing about because the nature is, the nature is pretty fantastic. Do you have volcanoes there? Lots. I once saw in a documentary that you can bake bread in the ground. In the Westman Islands, <laughs> it's a it's a little island, um, just on the south coast. Yeah. They had an eruption in 1973. I'm okay. not sure. 1970 something. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people who are like my, our parents' generation remember this mm -hmm. uh, eruption. It was a really big one. It was almost like a Pompeii type thing. Oh wow! So it uh, it happened really suddenly. The sirens went off just in time, and everybody managed to escape. So not a single. But um, the houses yes. were all covered in oh. in lava and soot, and a lot of uh, new huge lava fields were formed, and and the ground around mm -hmm. that volcano stayed warm for a long time afterwards. Uh, I think by now it's cooled down, but I heard stories from when I was, I think, not more than not much more than ten years ago. Yeah. That it was still warm and, and you could indeed break, bake bread in the ground. And there were it was a tourism thing as well. Like there were yeah. farmers who, who would take groups of tourists up walking up the hill and uh, dig up a bread that they'd put there the night before. Yeah. And uh, say, yeah, and then they would, all the tourists would eat the bread. And I heard 
even a story from one of these farmers who had a group coming one morning and they were like, <gasps> we forgot to put bread. <laughs> oh, no. Let's go to quickly to the, to the shop and, and buy a bread and like just put it so that we have something to show, you know. Uh, and then they, uh, they walked cheating. up and then they dug it up and out came rye bread in slices in slices <laughs> <laughs> oh and the volcano oh, also slices them the irony. <laughs> it's a story to tell the kids but um there have been pretty big uh, eruptions mm-hmm. in the last years but I have, i've never actually seen one mm-hmm. where did you grow eyes. up uh, what part uh, of Iceland a, are you from i'm from close to Reykjavik little town called Morsvelsberg mm-hmm. at the time when i grew up there it had 7000 people i think by now it has 15 is more or less an outskirt of Reykjavik. When I grew up, it wasn't connected, but today there are buildings actually connecting them. But you drive between them in 15 minutes. And does do, do the houses have these uh, typical like colors that we see in the tourist pictures? <laughs> no, no. There's more in downtown Reykjavik and in okay. the small fishing villages. Mm-hmm. Some houses, the old, the more of the old houses. I feel like that's a thing in the in in the north, like also here in Newhaven. The houses have all these colors. Like these really nice colors, yeah. yeah. Downtown Reykjavik has that a bit. It's but, pretty. but it's also, it's kind of a mix. The whole culture of how we build things and the food we present and everything is a bit of a mix between Nordic and American. Because you're it smack has, dab it, in the middle. It's it. right in the middle. We mm-hmm. had also American military settlement Ooh. in Iceland as part of the, like they were protecting us during the, during the Second World War and then oh. a base was kept there for quite a long time afterwards. Whoa. They had to and protect so w- the bread bakers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we need protection. We don't. We don't have our own military. Why not? You don't believe in war, perhaps? No, <laughs> no. We believe in in elves and trolls oh, yeah. and volcanoes. <laughs> and <laughs> you have a volcano by your side if needed. Yeah, that's enough. Mm-hmm. That's enough for us. Did pretty, you? pretty aggressive a volcano. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Big spread. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever see the movie that there's a new movie that recently um, came out? The one with Will Ferrell and Rachel McAdams, the Eurovision yes. movie. Yes. <laughs> Actually, I just saw the first half and I, I couldn't anymore after, any the, longer. after the first half. Yeah. But I had to see it because it had such a hype in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Everything was For about this film. For a good reason, the hype, or for a bad reason? Yeah, for everybody loved it. It was well, oh. obviously it was in Iceland, mm-hmm. and it totally describes exactly the vibe around Eurovision. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's like spot on. I thought that maybe it was completely wrong. No, 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 no. This approach, it's but, that, okay. and, and the songs that they sing in it gained massive popularity. They were played on the radio all the time. Okay. <laughs> oh, damn. Yep, everybody was singing them. Mm-hmm. But anyway. That's where I'm from. <laughs> That's where you're from. But you're, yeah, you you said it before. You also, uh, you're half English. Yeah. My mom's English. So you seem to have been in various places around the world. What What's what's your trajectory been like? I grew up, I, I've always, I, I just completely grew up in Iceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was 20, I moved to Amsterdam when I was accepted to the conservatory there. And I studied uh, classical clarinet. And then I did a master's in live electronics there as well. And then lived there for another four years after graduating, uh, freelancing, teaching, doing gigs when they mm-hmm. came. Yeah. And then I decided I needed another education and I came here to Copenhagen, that is. You think this is going to be your final stop? No, I don't think so. But who knows? Danish and confused. There is this uh, ensemble or band, I don't know how you call it, that... Um, 
I don't think they exist anymore. I mean, it's from my uncle's times. Actually, my uncle was in this band of like uh, young musicians who kind of took uh, Andean music and tried to like, uh, you know, explore with it, kind of innovate uh, in terms of um, using like a string orchestra, for example, mm -hmm. and some electronic music to kind of uh, explore the language of the Andes because it plays a lot of very... Uh, old, uh, maybe ancient songs that have mm -hmm. survived uh, even after the Spanish uh, con conquest. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is called Corti Poncho. It's uh, traditionally played in like uh, with uh, pan flutes that we call sicus. Mm -hmm. It's uh, played always in a kind of community. So there's no such uh, concept of soloist or mm -hmm. like uh, one person's melody line or divided roles. But it's kind of, it's very... Um, I would say collaborative all mm -hmm. the way through in terms like uh, to kind of express the express communion, express connection together. So it's always about how one uh, a, gr a big group of people become just one thing. And that's kind of, I guess, the best way to describe it now uh, that I can think of. Uh, so the role of the sequel, the pamphlet itself, actually, uh, one of the things that kind of stroke stroke me a little bit when I came to Europe and there was this like perception of the pan flute kind of being this cheesy solo instrument yeah. that you see in the street, someone playing with a, uh, you know, some kind of like MIDI solo and then playing like, I don't know, uh, <laughs> my life will go on in Titanic music <laughs> kind of thing, you know? And, yeah. and every time I would name the pan flute as an instrument that has so much uh, spiritual meaning for us in our culture mm -hmm. and being completely like ridiculized here in Europe, I got like my heart aches every time, oh. you know? It's supposed to be an instrument that uh, you play in groups so it's never a solo instrument that's not the its function its okay. uh, intention is to be played in large groups like 10 plus you know people okay. uh, I never knew that so actually Peter Pan is doing a very bad job yeah <laughs> <laughs> bad Peter Pan bad <laughs> yeah. but I mean uh, I've been reading a lot actually about uh, what's his name Jose Perez Arce I know it's Perez Arce, at least. I don't remember the uh, first name, but yeah. he made a lot of uh, studies around pan flute, actually. And it, of course, it's a very old instrument in many cultures around mm. the world. Yeah. But it's amazing the level of uh, development and experimentation it has been done in like uh, in the Andes. Uh, you know, you have uh, he has found like uh, stone pan flutes, you know, like uh, this size, but extremely cool. precise in the sound that it wants to kind of uh, express. And the thing about Andean music is that it doesn't go for the Pythagorean harmony kind of way, you know, like with the perfect fees and all these things. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's actually going for dissonance. The more dissonance, the better. <laughs> and oh. there is like a specific uh, technique to like how you build this instrument to make it dissonant. But this technique is getting lost because of temperament. Uh, yeah, the uh, European taking invasion. over. It's yeah. taking over. Uh, that I mean, it started when the guitar was introduced, right? Because mm. that's kind of from the guitar came the charango, which is like yeah. a small mandolin. And that kind of influenced a lot uh, how that music is played. Mm. And But yeah, the pan flute itself like it also is changing, but it will be interesting to kind of uh, bring it back and experiment more with that part of the dissonance part and yeah. how it connects to the divine. And um, the thing is that one of the things that I love about it is that through this community kind of playing, you know, uh, for example, the melodic panning with a group of people each person has a 
part of a melody and then they have to be able to coordinate together to create one line that it's mm. just one line mm. you know instead of one person doing all the work exactly beautiful that was beautiful very warm mm. and now i'm gonna talk to the cold side again <laughs> did you also bring some tunes for us i did um okay i want to show uh, an early work of the composer a composer called johan johansson he is that rings a bell yeah he he's he died i think last year or two years ago i'm not sure and uh, yeah. he 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 had become quite a well-known film composer mm. as well as also just like a, a recording artist yeah. as well didn't he like um receive an award after he died i i think so quite a prestigious award yeah I can't remember yeah i also one. can't remember but yeah totally so, so this work is from i think 2004 and is called virðulegu forsetar which means honorable presidents as if you're like addressing the Honorable presidents of okay. the past, or something like that. Can you say that one more time, just for Ah, oh, that's so satisfying. Yeah, forsetar. <laughs> yeah, that means presidents. Nice. Um, and it is somehow special to me because my dad received the CD with his work on it because his ensemble, Kaput Ensemble, my dad's a trombone player, mm-hmm. so he plays in this ensemble, and they recorded this. They were part of recording this piece. Although my dad's not on the album, he received the CD and was playing it and I was 14 at the time and I remember being completely like captivated by it, remembering the name but never really checking it out until maybe like two or three or four years later when I remembered, Dad, you were listening to this amazing music four or five years ago. What was it? 
and we had a little conversation and searched through old CDs and found this and I listened to it and I imported it to my then first laptop and it's uh, I think somehow it's part of big part of my musical identity would you say that it's typically Icelandic music this sound or is that even does that even exist it does exist but uh, you also have genres different genres and and I I, I kind of have the feeling that this work is not really typical Mm -hmm. anything it's kind of has influenced by ambient music and it's influenced but it's classical but it also has this yeah, it, ha- it has something Icelandic in it as well, in the sound, yeah, I think so. But I, it's very hard to define exactly what it is. Iceland is so barren, there are no trees, so you, even if you're not on a mountaintop, you, you have a view to the horizon mm-hmm. almost everywhere. I think that's maybe one of the things that I think is the most special about Iceland is the barrenness. It's bold. Yeah. There is just stone, grass and mountains. And if you're driving in the countryside, you'll always have a view really far in every direction. And this feeling, I remember hiking in Norway in the mountains, and it's, of course, amazing. And the mountains there are actually way more dramatic than the Icelandic mountains. They're more more steep Mm -hmm. and they're filled with trees. And you don't get this vastness feeling until you've been hiking the whole day and you've reached the top. And then you get the... 
view in every direction and it's absolutely amazing and you feel mm. like you accomplished something crazy to to get there but that's kind of the feeling that you just get from driving out of the city yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the thing yeah. like yeah. it feels like yeah. i mean i don't know iceland but like yeah. just from the hearing the music and what you're telling what you're saying is also like it reminds me also when you are up in mm. the altiplano plane you know like mm. there also there is no yeah. like life as such you can't see it but you can sense it because it's so much in the air mm. you know like and it's all all stone and you can see so yeah. far away right. into the yeah. you know the horizon is yeah. is such an amazing there's something like divine in like something very holy in there mm -hmm. you know and it yeah. makes it easier to get connected i guess with this uh, mm. yeah. spiritual part you know like uh, the elves or the trolls <laughs> or like you you you, you sense this energy you know mm -hmm. that it's so hard to but it also yeah. has to do with is both that but not just that but is in combination with the fact that it's can be extremely dangerous exactly and difficult yeah because the weather can be can turn merciless can be yeah, yeah it's completely merciless and you can be walking in the lava fields and you could fall and get your foot stuck or fall into a crack and you can't nobody can hear you when you're calling or you can yeah you have rivers that you just can't cross because they're mm -hmm. too violent or you have like weather that can be so stormy that you can't see which direction you came from and you get lost and die yeah so like there are so many things like yeah. that 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 nature offers you as a challenge Mm -hmm. which you just have to respect but that's part of the life cycle that's part right? of I it mean, that's, yeah. and, and you respect that do you feel that also in the in the people this respect for this, the nature that it's present in the people in so in different ways yeah uh -huh. there are people there are people who seek it because they respect it and they love it and there are people who just work with it every day because they are farmers or they are fishermen or mm -hmm. women or they are glacier tour guides or they are working in a factory or in a dam or whatever they just have to deal with it and so it's just part of your everyday life yeah and then you respect it in a different way maybe mm -hmm. uh, because it's just it's your daily daily struggle is to to deal with unpredictability of yeah it. but then of course you have people who don't give a shit yeah, oh. of course. That <laughs> yeah. They, they also are they totally exist in Iceland <laughs> okay. as well yeah do you hear a lot of like those stories in the newspaper ah, uh, uncautious hiker died or mm. got stuck in yep. a all the volcano. Time. I don't know. Yeah, not in a volcano maybe. <laughs> but uh, all that happens too, but uh Oh damn. That's <laughs> unfortunate. I think. No, but but yeah, totally. Every summer, every year. Yeah also recently somebody was climbing up a steep and icy cliff, which is maybe not the smartest thing to no. do. But they had like ice uh, climbing equipment and mm. one of them fell and hurt themselves really badly and had to be rescued by a hundred people. A hundred people? Yeah, like, they are like a rescue squad. The whole population of us. <laughs> <laughs> at least, <laughs> at least zero point zero. Right, if it got emptied yeah. <laughs> to save <laughs> one man's life. It, of times, it is uh, foreign tourists who are underprepared, who don't take it seriously. Yeah, that it can, that it can be. Underestimate yeah. how serious it can get. Yeah, mm. it's just can happen to anyone. <laughs> you just did something. The, the, yeah. That's yeah. like the yeah. a Nordic way yeah. of saying yes, right? Yeah. <laughs> I was so confused when I heard Good on tape. Good on tape. Okay. okay. <laughs> Danish and confused. I have a rock. A rock? Rock, rock. Oh, uh, okay. From the 70s, <laughs> which is actually one of my favorite albums from a group that is called Wara, which means Wara. star. And it's kind of uh, what what they do is it's a very interesting like the way they work with the sound and mm -hmm. uh, kind of traditional but like completely like with crazy contrast. Mm -hmm. 
First time the guitar came in, the riff. Uh, the I couldn't remember exactly what tones, but it. I was like, oh, it's going to be like a modern metal, like heavy metal, mm -hmm. death metal kind of. <laughs> I started grunting then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they kind of did, just like uh, three octaves higher. Yeah. <laughs> Danish and confused. In what way did Denmark or moving to Denmark influence your music? Um, I don't know. I guess like the biggest influence I got was like from studying the classical music or studying like the classical music career mm. here. And Cause before you didn't do classical music. Well, I did, but I did also all the other stuff yeah. because in Bolivia we didn't really, at least not at the time when I was there, we weren't openly talking about like what's rhythmical and what's classical and what's what and what. You yeah. know, you just played. Boxes, maybe. Yeah. It was more about like get to know play just play yeah. and play with intention and have fun and yeah. that's nice it's, I yes. like that approach uh, <laughs> and I was totally like uh, shocked when I came here and like suddenly like people were like so you're a classical flute player I was like I yeah. guess so I guess I, I guess I am you know but mm -hmm. then I quickly realized how that kind of closed many uh, possibilities, many possibilities mm -hmm. because then suddenly all the jazz guys were like yeah we're not playing with you because you're classical that kind of uh, yeah turned me a bit off like to exploring so I guess I kind of uh, kept with the classical because I felt like a community mm. in there I felt like more welcomed yeah. than uh, let's say other genres but then later I started getting like attraction more to I guess other South American musicians uh -huh. I guess living in uh, Denmark as well so I kind of kept myself going back to the Uh, you know to the continents mm -hmm. the old continent yes. uh, music rather than exploring so much the danish scene mm -hmm. as such you try to keep the, the marriage maybe in balance between like the, the yeah. old and the new yeah mm. exactly and i am um, and i think it's just very recent also for me in a way that i'm more like getting more exposed to the danish music scene mm -hmm. as such outside what was the classical field but a probably it has influenced me in many ways that I'm still not aware of. I, I know for sure that there, uh, the perception, the way you listen to music is completely different. So that was something that I managed to notice and kind of kept both sides, both cultures, ways of perceiving music and interacting with music, which I'm yeah. very thankful for because that gives me more tools. There's definitely more uh, tendency to want to always analyze and separate the elements in a very specific way. And generally when when you listen to music here in Europe, I feel like 
the way people talk about after concerts and you know like even when they talk about feelings it's about analyzing what exactly made you feel like this and what, like, what element in what sound blah 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 yeah. you know I mean I, I totally can recognize that and do that because I've been educated like that mm -hmm. when I came here but I also appreciate this idea of, of looking at it from the more uh, holistic like how does it, the music is playing the room and not only just to me or Yeah. You know, how is it playing the room? How is it affecting the people? Can I sense that as well? You know, like there are so many other ways of, of listening to music. And I'm very thankful that I brought that with me in a sense, because I feel that sometimes that allows me to get into universes of music that otherwise I won't be able to because the analytical way is always very limiting. Mm -hmm. And I actually see that a lot. Sometimes uh, people have a hard time getting opening themselves up to new types of music let's yeah. say because they are too analytical mm -hmm. around yes. it but it's also a mindset like opening to yeah. a different kind of mindset but you kind of bring yeah. with you like a memory and experience of a different kind of mindset where you come from so you could see like when you got here it could have been like denmark is just limiting you But mm. you seem to be th in a process where you've gone through it and learnt from it and are now putting things together in a way that it can make become a bigger yeah so they kind of complement each yeah, other because yeah. i don't feel like there is the right way of listening you know but but there's definitely uh, that certain types of music requires you to to be in a certain mindset i guess i don't know if that's yeah. the way to explain it yeah. but we are capable of that no matter what mood we are in you mm -hmm. know Mm. Well, I didn't grow up here, so I don't know what it feels like to have gone through the music education system as a child here. But mm. in Iceland, it's so small that once you're already, w when you're playing is at a level that that you can kind of just play more or less whatever, um, then you are being used in all kinds of projects. Like my friends were in all kinds of bands and I had all kinds of bands myself, yeah. as well as being a pretty good classical clarinet student as well. And that was really great. I was being, like, my musicianship was being used in very different ways. And then when I went through the conservatory in Amsterdam, I felt extremely limited because it was very focused on just classical. Just extracted, just mm. one tiny yeah. little thing. And, and I really, really, really needed to not have just that. I needed to do yeah. a bunch of other things as well, yeah. which eventually I started to do from my own initiative. But I, it felt hard to have to do that on my own initiative and it wasn't being encouraged by my surroundings yeah. or by my pu whole purpose in life at the conservatory at the time mm -hmm. and eventually i kind of broke through a bunch of walls and and found where i stood in that and coming back to denmark i totally feel more especially in this school uh this vibe everybody plays with everybody i don't know if that's representative of the rest of denmark but yeah, I, this school is in this school it's really that's the vibe mm -hmm. we're all playing in each other's projects and i and i love it yes and mm -hmm. you don't have to be limited yeah. to just one musical style exactly genre. and i find that so liberating it's yes. incredibly liberating especially after having been in the netherlands where you constantly have to prove why Why you're there? Why? What kind of musician you are, and yeah. become really good at that, and yeah, and it's not necessarily understood. You have the kind of musicians that choose one thing and then choose to dive deeper and deeper and deeper into mm -hmm. that until they find some sort of diamond. But I think maybe mm -hmm. I don't want to speak for all of us or, mm -hmm. or um, impose uh, anything. But I mm. think we are more like 
surface skaters that we we go from one thing to another and we explore and mm -hmm. see the value in different types yeah. of music and yeah. take something from each field yeah, yeah. and also i I'd, i would really like to see myself as just a musician Mm. Yes. because actually I uh, the skills that I have that I've learnt they are really applicable in every genre I think mm -hmm. just you kind of just have to I don't know relax into them in some way or trust that what you know because of what you've experienced is also applicable in a situation that might not uh, like if I'm playing with people whose background is completely different from my own mm -hmm. and I apply the way I've learnt to think It just offers a new perspective on that thing, yeah. and it usually leads to just beautiful, music. beautiful things, yeah. conversations, music, and yeah. Mm -hmm. I nice. think also like there is uh, there is a certain quality to versatility to go mm -hmm. around all types of worlds. There's like mm. I don't even would say surface. I think you if you if you skate through all these paths and you can go deep in it, you know. But and you develop the skill of real listening, and that's that's quite a. Uh, skill to develop you know like it, uh, it's yeah. just not it's not just what we have been taught that listening is you know there's so much depth into what listening is and yeah. I think you you're, if you're able to do that you can move around where, wherever in, in whatever kind of language of music yeah I totally agree <laughs> Danish and Confused do you have another tune for us to listen to? I do do. do I? do I ever? oh you do <laughs> Um, it's one of my favorite songs with Björk. Ah, Björk, yeah. yeah. How come we have talked about Iceland and we've not mentioned Björk? Because it's obvious. It's obvious. It's It obvious. We didn't easy. need to. I yes. did not know about her until this year. Really? Yes. I'm oh. sorry. But hey, I've been started listening to her. She's, uh, she's, yeah, yeah, but she's, I've been listening actually. I like, I like her. Yeah. I like her. Apologize <laughs> to Iceland. I'm sorry, Matthias. No, 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 no. I, I'm actually impressed. Usually that's the first thing. People tell me mm. when I say Iceland. Bjerk. I thought Bjerk. like the first thing Iceland was like, ooh, volcanoes. <laughs> Bread. <laughs> no. <laughs> I did not know about that either, but now I know. <laughs> That's not very common knowledge. But Two new things in your knowledge package. <laughs> Bread and Bjerk. <laughs> it's um, maybe not a very well-known song. But it's actually mm -hmm. sampling her own music from an album that she she did for a film by her, her ex... Matthew Barn Barney. Ah, you know more this, than I do. I this film don't know this called. I can't remember the name of the film, <laughs> but it has a lot of brass, and she's resampled that brass, and put a beat under it and sings the song, oh, which is pretty cool. It's called Vertebrae, Vertebrae by Vertebrae. <laughs> Oh, 
your dad is actually on this recording. Yeah, in the brass section. Has he met Björk? Have yeah, you met Björk? Have I met her? I mean, I've been in the <laughs> same room as Björk. Oh my she god. She came to my concert actually once. What? Yeah. What? My, my concert, my, o- my chamber orchestra. <laughs> a chamber orchestra I play in. Okay. Not take more credit for this than I. <laughs> than, but uh, no, so this is very braggy, braggy. You can do I braggy, braggy. Ac- you are humble, I'm, humble. I'm, I'm too shy to say hi if I'm close. Uh, yeah. Then like Björk is there, and I'm just like, oh, Björk, I should really say hi. Like I, but then I'm like, uh, oh my jeez, she gets like grizzlings of people saying like, oh, I love your music, and I'm just like, mm. I don't want to be one of them. Yeah, one I of those. <laughs> yeah. One of those. Yeah. But yeah. um, you're the second person from Iceland that I've met, and also the second person from Iceland who's met Björk that I've met. So is that like a thing? Does everybody, every musician in Iceland know Björk? Probably. What? I don't know. <laughs> Small island okay. also. It's mm. not a big deal in Iceland, to be honest. People who are famous in Iceland, who Icelandic people who are mm. famous abroad are also just people in Iceland who nice. go to the shop and most Icelanders will be like, oh, look, there's, there's that That's actually there. really nice, I think. Yeah. It must mm. be very calming for Björk. I want her to have some peace of mind. Mm. I, I mean, I can't speak for her. I have no idea how she feels about that, but uh, that's my impression. Does yeah. she go to the shop wearing all those strange outfits also? <laughs> like bubbles on her shoulder and like weird hats? I don't live in, in Vesterreykjavik, so I, mm. I don't... I, I, I know a lot of people who often see her in the shop. Just ask them. I'll go to Iceland and I'll ask them. Yeah. Danish and confused. Um, I'm curious to hear how Christmas is celebrated um, in your countries of birth. We love parties in Bolivia. Okay. We love festivities. We love to celebrate all the time. <laughs> There is a saying in Bolivia that... So a Bolivian is born, dances, it gets old, dances, you know, mm-hmm. eats, dances, drinks, <laughs> dances, die, dances, you know, like uh, we just love celebrations. And of course, uh, Christmas has become like this weird uh, hybrid thing between mm-hmm. like Catholicism, Catholicism and uh, Andean kind of traditions on top of that, because you have the equinox like mm-hmm. around almost the same time. There, it's just a very weird mix and I don't know if I remember it right but like I remember it it was just like it was a couple of days family hang a lot of food a lot of dancing in the evenings mm. um, um, and more food <laughs> there was uh, I mean my family was not very religious only one of my aunts she was very like oh at least we should say you know hi to baby Jesus <laughs> so she would We have from the Catholic Church, we have the something you call El Nacimiento, the birth of Jesus, kind of. Uh, so you have like the little tree, which mm-hmm. is not that important, actually, the Christmas tree. I mean, I guess it might be more now because it's such a commercialized thing. Yes. But at that time we had like, oh, we have two tiny little plastic trees. Yeah, you can decorate it, whatever. It was not that important. What was important was the nacimiento, which like is the representation of Jesus' birth, you know. And then we had like these creepy statues of the three uh, wise men and Maria and Joseph. Statues. And the favorite part was setting up the little animals All around the, the animals. barn, you know. Yeah. My sister and I loved that. But do you also put like a bunch of random animals? Like what? Like lions. <laughs> or like all types yeah. of... I have yeah. like, a huge collection. Yeah. I was like, I don't care. Like, you know, like the lion has to be here. There were the yeah. parrots here, you at know, the birth like, of baby Jesus. Parrots, of course. Like, all, yeah. all of all of them (laughs) (laughs) but uh, the funny part was the the baby jesus that because uh one of my aunts she was i guess the most religious Mm -hmm. in that the type of the church 
So she will give us like this little Jesus, uh, one for my sister and one for me because we we couldn't share one, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and yeah, we will give it clothes and you will have to go to the church to get it, uh, what do you call, a blessed and stuff like that. But we didn't really care about it. We just <laughs> thought like the nacimiento was fun, you mm. know, and the whole night dancing that's, That's what fun. I remember the best, like just the whole family together dancing and laughing. And uh, mm. it was very, uh, a lot of people involved. Mm. So it was complete contrast mm. when we came here. <laughs> cold. And like 2004, no December, like just three of us, it was completely cold. And Aww. actually our first Christmas, uh, we burned. <laughs> we burned. What? We had a fire going on <laughs> that kind of burned half of the gifts we got. And, oh, no. Uh, like... <laughs> paper Christmas tree with it so it was just great way to start you know? <laughs> like, like, just welcome like get ritual. a fire like <laughs> nice so yeah you tried to bring uh -huh. some warmth to Denmark yeah and then it just burned the whole thing down <laughs> <laughs> let's burn the country yeah Yay. welcome to Denmark <laughs> can't even make it warm just burns yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> what about in Iceland what's the tradition there something with elves and trolls probably mm, no that's New Year's Oh, okay. Yeah, we have elves. The elves are uh, they they go like marching around uh, cool. on New Year's. Um, but Christmas is quite. I mean, Iceland is generally like okay, officially Christian, but generally not very religious. But people do still like for the sake of tradition go to church at yeah. six o'clock, and there is like it's quite a holy vibe. But it's it's really, Protestant, like, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, pr pr yeah, Protestant, and um, the vibe is really like. Family comes together and we eat mm -hmm. the most fancy meal of the year and we spend a lot of money on presents, which is it's, it's double-edged. Like, it's on the one hand, this terribly uh, commercial thing where, mm -hmm. you know, there are ads all day long on the radio, blah, blah, blah. But it's also something like, you look forward to the presents yes. and you know you're going to get something, probably going to get something nice from... Your socks from your aunt. Yeah. <laughs> the vibe is really holy and yeah. you dress up in your nicest clothes and and yeah. you might have like some close family coming over for dinner on the 24th and then usually after dinner there is like we do the dishes and then we get a nice dessert and there is obviously like f festive slow uh festive christmas music playing yeah and then we go to the christmas tree and we open presents and one by one there's a lot of attention so now it's your present and everybody's mm -hmm. watching and wow what did you get and then it goes on until maybe like nine or something and then you might be drinking sherry and eating little confectionery and watching watch a film and then you go to bed and then there's christmas day and then there's another day of a lot of food there'll be a dinner <laughs> dinner at some somebody from the family or yeah. we host a big dinner and then you go the next day to another big dinner it's just like dinner after dinner after dinner Everybody and is fat at New Year's. Oh yeah, and also it's it's very meat based, mm. and um, I generally don't eat much meat. But at Christmas I eat so much meat that I you get high from it, mm. or like more like completely heavy. You actually, go you go low, <laughs> you go down heavy. <laughs> it's pretty intense. It sounds. But wild. I I love it though. But yeah. you guys yeah, open in the in the evening, twenty fourth. Yeah. yeah. But we, because I, I my mum's English, we kind yeah. of did a did a sort of fusion where we had like stockings hanging above the fireplace, which would be filled by Santa Claus. Yeah. And oh yeah, so I that's forgot, 25th. That's on the twenty fifth in the morning. So we would also have that extra little Ooh. thing with some sort of little 
Little presents. Sounds very cozy. Very, very cozy. And it's all about like, also because it's winter wonderland outside a lot of the time. So you will go for a walk and come back inside and have hot cocoa and watch a film. So cozy. Yeah. I forgot to tell, we opened the gifts in the morning, the 25th. The 25th. And then also like my aunt's birthday is actually 25th. We always went for like, I think for Chinese now I'm remembering. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So you associate Christmas with Chinese food. (laughs) (laughs) Just that day, you know, the other days with like... But Christmas starts quite early. Also, I think uh, in Iceland uh, as well as here, at least in comparison to the Netherlands where they don't really do so much with the the Mm. whole Christmas thing. But... uh, there are Christmas songs all the time on the radio and you get kind of tired of them after yeah. a while mm-hmm. and there's a lot of uh, Christmas ads and stuff but it's also kind of cozy the whole preparation you want to like decorate the house and put up the mm-hmm. lights it's all about lights actually in Iceland because it's so dark all yeah. the time yeah definitely yeah. and and it, uh, this is apparently like before it was a Christian thing it was a, it was a heathen tradition mm-hmm. a light festival mm-hmm. oh, cool we call it actually a light uh, the a light festivity because uh, uh, f- how do you say festival festival yeah. Fest- mm-hmm. doesn't it sounds weird to say festival how teeth uh, <laughs> I don't know I that don't word know. <laughs> festival <laughs> of light and peace oh yeah. that sounds that's a beautiful name yeah Christmas because it's actually it has a lot of tempo leading up to Christmas people mm. get stressed but then at six o'clock it's like zen then yes, you've got your unburdened. clothes on the perhaps successfully cooked meal (laughs) (laughs) is more or less ready and uh music and the church bells on the radio cool Uh, i want to go to iceland for christmas yay Yay. (laughs) (laughs) danish and confused okay so this is uh alvaro montenegro who's like a very well respected and known bolivian musician i I like his music because he he's really like he's very experimentative so mm-hmm. he <laughs> he takes the tradition and and you know experiments a lot with it and mm-hmm. I just love the way he uses sound and all these wind instruments, modern instruments mm-hmm. and then also old instruments. Again, I think yeah, there's a pattern here. I can hear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this is called uh, Liturgia de las Campanas. Mm. It's not a Christmas song, but it has <laughs> bells on it. <laughs>
like uh, I showed this to a jazz musician uh, that I was dating and the first thing he commented on was like oh that sex plane is like so you know and like oh. starting <laughs> all the technicalities about it yeah. and I was like can you hear the music like as a whole thing why do yeah. you have to mm. go for yeah. you know like uh, what a douchebag <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, but still you relatable know? like uh, but, but the way of like listening again yeah right, uh, you had to go and analyze it according to the uh, different tradition yeah and certain aesthetics, a certain aesthetics. that he mm. thinks yeah. are appropriate for that instrument as if yeah. there's only one way to listen to exactly music. Mm. but mm. i was also like but in a, maybe in a different way but i was like we said something that wow it's like almost jazz but at the same time it is jazz but it's also not jazz mm-hmm. and you're like analyzing what yeah, you, you want to put it, it. You yeah. put it in something, but it has this beautiful kind of uh, combination of influences, making it something quite unique. Yeah, yeah. and that's what I love about uh, this composer, a musician. I, I think he. I mean, I look a lot up to him actually, and I mm. hope I will meet him when I go there, mm. uh, because I feel like he he really developed such a language from everything that the city of La Paz is, you know, made of of all the international influences but yeah. also the very root traditional and mm. he dares to uh, really experiment a lot and mm. i think for me that's that's just it's amazing You do actually have a Christmas song. Yeah, I have a Christmas song. <laughs> so we were preparing. we got in, we got into <laughs> the theme of well, Christmas. Oh, yours had bells. Yeah, so. exactly. Uh, it's a Swedish song, Da Luser and Sharna. I don't even know how to uh, pronounce that last oh. word, but uh, it's performed by uh, a Nordic folk ensemble. I think maybe they're Norwegian, Juli Folkton, mm. and it's a live recording. Very beautiful. I also have a thing for folk music. I find it very mm. beautiful, and it's an old old Nordic tune. Very cozy. Snövitt anlin 
We're all crying now. Yeah. Actual tears. If if you were in Taos out there, we're actually crying right now. Where would you say that home is for you? It's a very ambiguous face. You wanna give it a go first? I'm sorry. It's impossible. <laughs> it's really impossible. I think I have yeah. many homes, and I I also have in recent years started to feel home is with certain people. Yeah, not necessarily a place, place but it's really scattered and skewered over, over the whole world. I have I feel at home with certain friends in mm-hmm. Amsterdam. I feel at home with my girlfriend, who is in Norway. Who is now in Norway. I don't really feel at home in Norway yet because I've never re- mm. I've never lived there. Right now, this really feels like a home. The school. The school is yeah. a warm, warm home. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel like the old house that my, both my parents they've divorced and left the house the house mm. for another house in other countries. Yeah. But that house where I grew up is still kind of home. Um, That's a lot of homes. Where you mm. gonna yeah. see another one? Yeah. The, the, the place where I'm where I'm where I sleep now is mm-hmm. kind of a home as yeah. well. Uh, feels nice there. Up in Dronningmulle. Up in Dronningmulle. Yeah, yeah, if uh, people want to know some stories about Dronningmulle, you don't know this actually, but no. I talked about that in the previous episode. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen yeah. to the podcast now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good advertis- advertisement. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I, I, I think many homes with different people. Yes. Different kinds of homes. I think I'm also wandering a lot. I think a part of me is still looking, but I also agree with Matthias that... It has a lot to do with um, people rather than place. Although I wish that I had a place also to call home. I feel it's uh, it's ambiguous. It yeah. feels, at least Denmark at times feels at home, but at the same time don't doesn't. But yeah, definitely people, definitely my mom and my sister and my boyfriend and the currently collective that we live in feels mm-hmm. like the people feels like you are at home but i i can also say that i am a person that i guess i'm looking for a place to be indigenous you know yeah. uh, i actually had a talk with my sister about it about the word indigenous and what it actually means you know having this relationship to the place where you are like having this engagement not only to the people mm-hmm. but like to the mm-hmm. earth, to yeah. the to the buildings, to the yeah. streets, to having like really want to uh, commit to that, yes. you know. And I find that thought or that telling very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I wish I could at some point in my life find that mm. uh, because then I feel okay. My purpose is is done. <laughs> mm. <laughs> when you're um, grounded, somewhere. yeah, like the deep deeper grounded mm. where mm. it's not only people but it's also. Like I feel a commitment to a community, yeah. then I feel that okay, maybe now I feel home. It's not just a place where you pass through for a while and then leave. Yeah, mm-hmm. now now it's like we have more like uh, soul homes, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> soul, yeah. homes. like you know, like uh, yeah. with like people, that. but not so much mm-hmm. with the place. I think that part I'm still looking. But it, it's still complicated because even you can have maybe like. It feels a little bit like a home, but you no no. But then there's nothing as strong as like the way you grew up. That is maybe the most strong, for me at least. Mm. Yeah. But I've distanced it for such. A, I mean, I've been away for it from there for such a long time. The most deep, uh, like the root-grown 
connections I have are just with my family. And that is a very strong thing. I've actually realized it more the last couple of years. Like when you go back and you're suddenly with family and even the the extended family that you don't wouldn't see every day. But when you are there, you realize, oh, yeah, this is actually the people I'm from. For, uh, and this is where I came from, where maybe where I got my laugh from or where I got my, <laughs> yeah. where I got... Uh, like all these little quirks that you have that you can suddenly <laughs> place in other people. Yeah. You can see them in other like, people. Yeah, oh yeah, she has that from my grandmother and my dad also does yeah. that. And actually I noticed I do that too. You start to see the resemblance. Yeah, in a way it's a different kind of home, but I don't feel so connected to it in a kind of everyday kind of way. Mm. It's like I usually, I'm in Iceland for, for holiday the past 10 years. And do you feel disconnected? In some way, but connected in another way. Okay. Yeah, like you've got, you've got still <laughs> got some. Ambiguous. You've got some like <laughs> ambiguous, yeah. you've got some quantum roots there. Yeah, quantum quantum roots. Yeah, <laughs> we've had some uh, terms here that are good for album titles. You <laughs> 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 should write them down. Yeah, I feel like my family has been moving so much around. You know, also, yeah. that even that feels like oh, where where is all the in me like. You know, I know my immediate family, but mm. apart from that, there's a lot of mysteries, you know, in that sense. Yeah. But how about yeah. place and nature? and, and uh, the Definitely Bolivia, yeah. for sure. There's something about, I don't think, I'm trying to get a relationship to Denmark because it also has beautiful places. Mm-hmm. I think the nature here it also has a lot to say, mm-hmm. but I feel I'm still getting over the trauma of, <laughs> you know, yeah. coming over and it's cold and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like, <laughs> it's... Setting uh, the house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, um, but we have had our moments. I think, like, with the sea, I've had my moments. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But I totally miss nature in Iceland. Like that's yeah. that's my I need that in my life, yes. mm-hmm. and I totally grew up in it. And I compare everything to it, so it's my frame of reference for everything. Yeah, exactly. Because nothing yeah. compares. Yeah. To that, probably. In, yeah, uh, in very different ways. Yeah. Yeah, you, and you're like, wow, Iceland has way nicer this, but actually we don't. Yeah, this is also nice in a different way. Yeah. Yeah. Everything has its charm, I guess. Yeah like talking to you hey what a segue <laughs> this <laughs> i really wish that i had more time to talk with you guys look at all these questions that i haven't even asked um so good. what a waste but it was super super fun talking to you and to getting to get to know you guys better and thanks for the beautiful music the music can be found in this spotify playlist danish and confused thank you for being here have a lovely christmas in iceland and you in Denmark. Go Yule. Thank you. Gledelig Yule. How do you say that? Gledelig Yule. Gledelig Yule. Gledelig Yule. But in Danish, Gledelig Yule. Ah, Gledelig Yule. Ah. Gledelig Yule. No, Gledelig Yule. Gledelig Yule. Gledelig Yule. Correcting you. Gledelig Yule. Nej, 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 nej. Nej, 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 nej. And how do you say that stupid word that I've been trying to pronounce every ending of the podcast? Kærlighed. 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 Love. Yes, like goodbye and love. Kærlighed. Kærlighed. Okay, then I'm gonna say farewell and kærlighed. (laughs) Sounds like a question. (laughs) Well, love is a huge question. Question. Mm. (laughs) Mark. Great way to end the show. (laughs) Danish and confused.